was a healing experience writing the book and, um, you know, I love that you brought up the, the time in San Juan, old San Juan, where I'm fire dancing and this couple joins me to dance the tango spontaneously in a... Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with Fiona Horn. Actually, not we. I wasn't here. Um, my poor wife was sick with a migraine, Was I think. Yeah, that was the day, right? Yeah. I think so. Lisa had a migraine, so I couldn't make it out. Um, so Graham had to fly solo. Hopefully, it's not just some scratchy noises and weird like internal mic i haven't listened to it yet but i think it'll be good i think graham did great job by himself luckily it was only like 45 minutes so yeah, it, yeah. So, yeah actually it was only gonna be a half hour but we went long so it was a short one yeah, there he is right there everybody's favorite co-host graham the heart warmer dunlop thanks buddy <laughs> his little heartwarming outlook on et on life yeah. and et yeah. and we've got uh the one and only Michael from the Truffaut show itself here. A little celebrity action in this igloo tonight. Hey, Grimerica. <laughs> hey, buddy. We kicked him out of his editing. So, yeah, we're doing just for people that are new, people that just joined us. We do a little intro here, just reading some listener emails, shooting the shit a little bit, um, chit-chatting about stuff. Uh, there's a, there's a timestamp in the show notes and a chapter button if you want to skip through this crap and get right to Fiona. Yeah, so you can it's either... It's not crap. No, I am just, you know, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Some Whatever. people think people, it's crap. People, people, some people just listen to this. Yeah, and if you want to skip ahead, you can always do short. that. You can skip forward or click on the timestamp if you don't want to listen to this. Oh, yeah, there I just learned new that. So you can actually so click on this timestamp, time right? So There's a lot of things you can learn here in the intros. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah we got some we're great... an acquired taste, so we don't blame you. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll just listen to the intros for a few months, and then they'll start to take a shining to Graham, and then they'll slowly start going back. You mean, you, you said it wrong. Listen to the interview for a few months, and then I'll take a shining to me and then go back. That's what I meant. Yeah, you yeah, said yeah, intro, yeah. Sorry, and then they'll slowly start listening to the intros. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But it's yeah. fine to skip the intros. We don't mind. That's why we put the timestamp there. No, and we get great listener emails. Like, I just love getting, I got, you know, some advice on how to use my tongue scraper and why tongue scrapers are important, because we received that You've from got a guest. Tongue scraper. I know, that's what I'm saying. Somebody was giving me the, giving me the, uh, it's for your tongue, the education. Right? And then... You know, and then, or, or somebody sends me a, you know, a guest request for uh, a Canadian journalist who used to be in the mainstream media and she's like completely left and she's created her own YouTube channel and, or, I mean, you know, it's all kinds of stuff like that. It's great, great cool. stuff. Great yeah. emails. Oh, I got a crazy synchronicity. Oh, fuck. I got a really cool one you guys are going to like today. So, Synchro? Yeah. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Some of them are, you know, they're, they're beyond synchronicity there. Profound in other ways. Synchrotastic. Synchrotastic. Oh, so, we had a little synchro too. Did, with the dog yesterday. I won't get into that too much here because it's kind of shitty scene, but we had to take the dog to the vet. And the lady that ended up like being in charge of taking care of the, care of the body and everything after was somebody we knew. Joey's ex-girlfriend. Oh, wow. So we've known her for years. Oh, wow. So it turned out to be pretty... Uh, it was nice, you know. Uh, is that a synchronicity? I don't know, kind of. No, it's not a synchro, no. Isn't it? I'm going to burst that button. It's kind of a... 3.42 on that What one. in the fuck? <laughs> well, it's a coincidence. It's a coincidence. A meaningful yeah. coincidence. Yeah, that's... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Re five, revisit the score. 5.5. <laughs> 5. 5. <laughs> 
So, Michael, we got Michael here. I'm going to officially donate my artwork that I have to Michael's show. What artwork? I sent you a text with it. No, you don't yes. have to do I that. Am, no, I am. I feel really? like it's the right thing to do. Wow. I have a piece of artwork that almost matches Michael's, I showed you that. It's pretty Michael's oh, the, show yeah, I seen that. logo like to a T. Oh, you can hang it in his studio. Yep. I'm going <laughs> to give it to Michael for his studio, and I feel like that's the proper spot for Thank you uh, very much. That's right like, now his studio is your it's studio. A, it's a beautiful handmade Mexican piece of artwork that's got like Justicia. the sword of justice. Justica. Justicia. Yeah, and it's got the scales of justice and the and the blindfold of the yep. blind justice thing. And I like Justica better. Justicia. Just you should probably that. check with Nap to make sure she, they didn't rip it off. <laughs> but the, I think the, it's perfect. It it's exactly it's the, exactly the, the way Nap drew it. Or you know how old that made. is, right? It's like you said it was like fifteen, years old. 20, 15, 20 years old. Yeah, and it's but a one it's, of a kind. It's amazing. It's the synchronicity of, a kind, of so. the two is just amazing. So yeah, so that's to kick off your. That's like a I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, kickoff present for you because you finally got your show off the. I don't mean finally in a negative way, but you got your show off the. His little show? Are you going to call it yeah, his little show? A little show. <laughs> hey, it's up to like 160 downloads or something nice. today. That's good. So, no, I mean, you've, you know, you're a fucking super smart guy and got a lot of interesting uh, thoughts and stuff. Well, I'm you. looking That's forward great. to hearing more about your show. And So, you want to tell people about it or no, uh, why it's called the True Foe Show? The True Foe Show. Well, it was because we were th the whole fake news thing, right? We wanted <laughs> to show not necessarily the fake of all of it, but also the, you know, just showing both sides basically. So instead of throwing, um, saying that all the mainstream media is fake instead, just show that there's both sides and then you can realize that it's all fake. And, uh, I don't know. I also feel like I just kind of want to show it and it needs to be funny. And that seems like it's a pretty good theme. And so far it's going great. I ran the birth chart on it and had an astrologer on the other night, Ooh. uh, Robert Phoenix. We talked about it a little bit and I cast the chart right in Libra and everything didn't really mean to exactly. It just, uh, I don't know. I had the urge to do it quite strongly that day. And, and so it appeared. We should have a birth chart on the start of, so when is it like, Shut the, the fuck up. what was, the, what did the, you use uh, as a launch date? It was October 17 of 2017. So you didn't use your first show. It's 10, 17, almost exactly noon. Yeah. You didn't use. I your... could. I thought about that. I should run one for my first show, I guess. But when did you do that? From when you actually hit publish use. on Libsyn? Yeah, we would have to. I don't know what we would use as a start date. Yeah, you'd use the publish on on the, when you publish it to the public. You actually, I publish. Yeah. I don't know. Then you're a podcast. You're not a podcast until you're published. That's your birthday. Before that, you're in the womb. Or so you could do your recording. Womb. I guess you could so do the your conception recording. Is when you buy the the GoDaddy thing is the conception. No, that yeah, that, you, that was your conception. Yeah, that's right. Ah. So because if I went by when we activated the website, it was like six months before. Can you do uh, your first recording? I guess you could do that. When was our first recording? Well, that's like that would be like I making like out though. I think. Before, wasn't yeah, because we saved up a few. No, to yeah, it's got to be penetration. Ones. Boom! When I you think, penetrate the ears. Yeah. I think you're right because it is GoDaddy. So, That's right. yeah, so, so you I just, think you're right. That is when the actual, you were just doing so, the conception solo part. fellatio. It doesn't count mm -hmm. until you inseminate somebody's ears. Wow. Okay. So now I'm going to have to run the, through the that. ether. Thanks. You just screwed up the whole last episode I launched. But. Sorry, but I justified our episode because without it, without me twisting it into that, then we couldn't do one. Mm. But now you have a conception one. So that's interesting too. Yeah. Well. Now we know that there's uh, there's life to a podcast before before birth, I guess. Yeah. 
the genesis yeah <clears throat> yeah so it's pretty neat the first two people that i the first two uh interviews the first two episodes what coincidentally happened? they they live in denver and so they've already met up and are hanging out so that's pretty weird <laughs> yeah that's cool <laughs> that's really cool hey speaking of colorado we have a present from colorado maybe you should open it you finish talking and I'll slowly open this and Wait, we'll see if it explodes. That arrived or in if it has any box? powder in it. Does it sound like powder? The P.O. box? shake it? Maybe uh, don't shake it, actually. Don't shake the powder? Then it mixes? Don't shake the package. You don't want to mix the... You don't want to mix the fucking... Oh, uh, do yeah. I not have it? Oh, here we go. So I'm thinking about the Trufo show. I'm thinking about having the long form like you guys have for on Sundays and have it be about whatever for two or three hours. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, ultimately I'd like to launch a one hour of each day where it's the original idea of the true foe. So it's 20 minutes of each side with 20 minutes of me and hopefully a co-host rambling about something. Cool. Yeah. doesn't seem like it would be that much more work each week, but it's actually harder than I thought to think about getting both sides and edit it all down to 20 minutes and that's actually going to be there's quite a learning curve that's going to be there for sure yeah definitely if anybody Take, wants to help let me know <laughs> if it takes less time as you get better at it yeah so that's are definitely you true actively searching a co-host or do you have someone in mind uh, i've put it out to the universe so let's put it that way or you just put it out to the universe again i think yeah to the primary <clears throat> universe okay i'm gonna fucking we're going to do it. Should I, I put on my mask? Box. Yeah, put on the masks. All right. Here we go. Get out a pen and paper and write this down. Or a pencil. Why don't you send some physical mail to the Grimerica Show at P.O. Box 16033. Next line. Uh-huh. 100-850. I just finished the show before I went and got stitches. Yeah, I'd probably stitch you up right here with something. Yeah. I'd be getting be stitches while we did the show. Like, uh, Next line. You could probably strip one of these cords and use the copper wire in it to stitch you. <laughs> Just pee on it. <laughs> Just pee on it to sterilize it. So I'd like to big thanks to Andrew L. I think, anyway. Oh, there's some socks in here. Socks. Oh, dirty Argyle socks. socks. Look at that. I hope they're dirty. Ooh. There's a lot of socks in here. What does that mean? If people want to send socks, they can send sports socks smell? and wear them. Ah, oh, they're super dirty socks. Super dirty socks. Whoa. They probably collected them from, like, the dirtiest people on their street. So we have... Oh, I'm turning down Michael instead of the jingle. Grimerica. Oh, does it say I can't read this anywhere? Grimerica, I apologize for my long absence. I stepped away for too long and lost my lust for conspiratorial and political writing. Instead, I've been working on a trilogy of epic high fantasy novels that I'm currently Ooh. publishing on my site, mandrewjones.com. Ooh. I would be forever in your debt if you would mention my site to your, our fellow Grimericans. It is as... as as it is a value-for-value value product, and I need more readers that understand the model. I am still listening. 
Cat from the Truth Factory and David Bryan's story of high-level spiritual warfare were so good, they deserve a reward. Enclosed is a bit of physical silver for Darren and some ripe, dirty socks for Graham's sniffing pleasure. <laughs> I, I do apologize to you, Darren, but I am currently running low of cool shit. <laughs> Formerly, I think I know what he means. Formerly, the fire-lighting rabble-rouser. Sincerely, Baron of America's Mountain. Nice. Thanks, buddy. Good to hear from you again. And before I forget, High Fantasy, do you ever play Dungeons & Dragons? We do have a little bit of game going on the on the side with a bunch of us. I shouldn't say this. I don't want to get Check too much interested. But, um, I wonder if he's made, like, if he could make his novel into a campaign for us. A what? Into a campaign, like a... A module, like a campaign for our D&D. For Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. Are you talking yeah. about Dungeons and Dragons on the podcast now? His books are high fantasy, Darren. Like, they're right in there. We could play right in there. How long have right you been waiting there? to slip this in? So write Grimerica into, like, the novel that he's writing? No, he wants to just adapt his novel into his little D&D game. <laughs> but fail to just ruin it and send werewolves. These guys send me texts about their fucking D&D. I could not care less. What do you mean? Who sends you texts? Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Do you sometimes wonder if it's just a matter of time until no. you're going to have to play? No. I think at the, at the cabin, I'll watch. Do you want to come in and just and just, uh, just forget it? Failed sent a pack of werewolves to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> These are the texts I get on a Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> From Adam. They weren't werewolves. They were normal wolves. See, Adam, get your shit together. They were normal wolves. See, that's why he's losing the game. So okay. what? It, so explain what else we got here from Andrew. We got some silver. He sent us some silver, like pure silver coins. Yeah. And some promotional cards and a bunch of socks. Nice. So we should start hanging the socks on the wall like stockings. And this Do we is still his, have the old uh, socks? Like here, we, gotta, we can't throw out any of these socks. We got to save those. Send them Whatever. to someone else. They're like passing along the socks. Well, I took the last pair and I've you been could, wearing them. You could like, <laughs> you could, well, like you got three pairs, so you could just send maybe two more pair. Keep one. They were little blue sort, sports socks. They're, I was I like thinking the short could... ones, the ankle socks. <laughs> okay, guys, send Thanks, socks. Send socks. <laughs> Size small. <laughs> Size large. I was thinking we'd save them oh, up in a garbage bag large. and like bring them down to the homeless shelter or something. <laughs> Graham wants to wear them. So. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So big thanks to, hey, he's another person we thought was our handler for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're paranoid. No, it, it wasn't us. Somebody else suggested it. Oh, we're just it? a bad guesser of who your handler is. <laughs> we're just constant guessing. You. We have a new suspect. I'll tell you later. Oh, we know. Oh, dear. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. No, you figured that one out long ago. What do we got here? Okay, Grambo. Bring it down. Bring it home. Oldie but a goodie. Oops. UFO one. letters? No. Fuck. No. Oh, I could do that. Disclosure, synchronicities. Down and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique 
It's a profound UFO quote of the week. Hey, speaking of UFO quotes of the week, should I be worried about this fucking warrior monk? No, man, don't worry about it. Okay, because apparently when he when he talked to Alex, he was like, "Who's that motherfucker who meant, made the Green Beret comment?" Is that you? <laughs> yeah. What was the Green Beret comment? I can't remember. I think I said that Buddy still wants just one misses the Green Beret days, <laughs> and he was just making up embellishing stories so he could still get some, you know. Oh yeah, that was a good quote. comment. So Buddy listened to it, and now he's not happy with me. Alex published that comment after all the stuff he didn't make it on. <laughs> yeah. made, that one made it. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Anyways, we're talking. I about wouldn't an be worried about it usually, but of. Buddy seems to be like a spiritual fucking. You know, can this guy like materialize in the grad and kick me in the nuts? <laughs> <laughs> Biolocate to the igloo, <laughs> punch you in the face, and go back. I mean, I don't think my comments would warrant anything more than a punch in the face. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think you're okay. Now that I think of it, I probably wouldn't have said it to his face, so I shouldn't have said it. I might say it to his face. I don't know how big he is. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I mean, honestly. Mm. Well, chances are you were joking. Mm. No. A little bit. It was in jest. All right, here's the UFO quote. The fact that since 1946, numerous persons in all countries have made detailed reports of events they regard as strange, mysterious, sometimes even terrifying, deserves attention. While many of the reports can be traced to natural events, we intend to demonstrate that after the inevitable errors and obvious hoaxes are eliminated, the reports reveal common characteristics, possess a high degree of internal coherence, and appear to be the result of the witness's exposure to a set of unusual circumstances. That's from Dr. Jacques Vallée, astrophysicist, from the introduction to Challenge to Science, the UFO Enigma in 1966. Also former Grammarica guest. Yeah, he was on a couple months ago. Check what his episode, episode out. Oh, I don't know. I'll put it in the show notes. Hey Siri, what episode of the Grammarica show was Jacques Vallée on? Didn't even acknowledge. No, don't even. Don't even. I want to say it was 240 something. 249. 249, that's my guess. I forgot to mention about like Fiona coming no, on. I have heard to that, check. Do, did we want to talk a little bit about Fiona coming on the show? Oh, she used to be quite an important uh, popular rock star, and then she moved to Hollywood. She was uh, sort of a famous witch in Hollywood, and then she left Hollywood, and she's working. She got her pilot's license, her commercial pilot's license, and she flies from an island in the Caribbean, a little island in the Caribbean. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty, really interesting. Hmm. Interesting tale of, like, crazy book. I read The Naked the Naked Witch. It's sort of like her autobiography, and it's uh, the stuff she's into. It's pretty crazy. 241. 241, ah. close. And 243 is Grant Cameron. So that's a good double whammy. Yeah, right. All right, so what do you want to do now? What do you got? I got a couple emails from listeners. Let's see if... Uh, Okay, here's one. This is from uh, Amstramad. Or something, this or is what? from Amstramad. But hitting the table it's with a, Michael's it's mic a, here. You it's can't a, hit the uh, table. It's a, just a feedback one. Uh, what do you call it? And now another 
edition of Grime American Goodies by the people. Do you sing that jingle? Do you sing that jingle in the shower? <laughs> Howdy, Graham and Darren. How are you doing? I was very happy to hear that the package I'd sent you in mid-December finally reached your P.O. box. Thanks for opening it live on the show. The main reason I'm sending you this very email is to inform you about a little factoid that probably could be labeled best as a synchro. If you agree, maybe Darren would be so kind as to rate it. For the third time in my life, I'm 47 years old, I'm going to move to be moving house. After 19 years of living near the center of Amsterdam, this Thursday, the 1st of March, I'll be moving to a bigger house in the neighboring city of Amstelveen. The house number of my new house is 272. Guess what Grimerica episode is up next? Yes, indeed. You'll understand. I am more than stoked to hear this upcoming episode. Thanks a bunch for the more, most fascinating podcast in the multiverse. Big shout out to Napoleon Dehoom for the magnificent artwork, to Sir Felix for the excellent jingles, and to everyone in the chats, and to all the other listeners. Take care. All the best. Greetings from Amstermad. So it just works out that he listens to the show as he moves that to has his email that his package finally shows up so that his fucking oh yeah his package res- finally oh so yeah that right. his response can get read on the fucking show number that matches his new host number huh 6.4 nice I like it though I yeah. like it I, I hate to give it such a low score, but we'll give it a seven point two because oh, the house number That's is right. two seven two. So give him a seven point two. I'll give him a not to tell you what to give him. No, no, I gave him a six point four. I'll give him a six point eight two because I have to add the point four two to it because it involves the show. Seven point two two. Six point eight two. Okay. Tried. You did try. I like it. You were lobbying. Yeah. Graham's a bit of a lobbyist too. What else you good. got? You got any synchros? <clears throat> trip reports? Um, I haven't got a trip report in a while. What the fuck? No, this is. Uh, um, Everyone's too broke to trip out. I'd like to say this is probably won't read it because it'll probably be too long but I'll try okay so I, I don't know what it is it's a cool story I'm just gonna say okay, that just stay it okay just do it this is aloha fuckers I'm hoping this is gonna to Graham <laughs> I'm hoping this is going to Graham because I know D-Ron won't late read it because <laughs> it will probably be too long but I'll try to keep it short I'll use little words so you can paraphrase if you choose firstly I, I gotta give Darren credit he made me pull the trigger I decided to support the show by getting some t-shirts. Take the shot. Sorry, Graham. Research and science needs a specimen to study and determine exactly unrefuted DNA. Shoot a squatch. I got a logo shirt too. Been telling like-minded friends about the show, and I'll wear them both with pride. In my opinion, your supporters and anyone who chooses to expand their minds are part of the awakening that humanity needs to realize to open our full consciousness. Trying to keep it short, I'm a fisherman in Hawaii. I take tourists out fishing for marlin, but part of our company's service is doing ash scatterings at sea for tourists and their families who, whose last wish are to be put to rest in a place they love to visit. I do about 20 ash scatterings 
a year, and I've been in Hawaii for over 25 years now. Have Siri do the math. Hey, Siri, what's 20 times 25? 20 times 25 is 500. Wow, she's way slower than Google, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's part of the Google would have been like, pow, I knew the answer before she came up with it. That's not acceptable. No, that's not acceptable at all. Mind you, how did you... That's tough on a little number. You should have seen how amazed this guy was at this thing could do math. The Google... Oh, you probably heard it. Okay, here we go. On average, I see maybe two or three sharks on the surface a year while I'm on the sea, and that's pretty much every day. Typically, sharks are more of a midwater fish, so we rarely see them. Upon meeting the deceased family on the dock before the scattering, I was told by the family that their son had committed suicide last April and had left two children and a wife behind. I don't ask any more details out of respect. They told me that both children were big fans of Shark Week, the show they watched as a family. I told them about Amukua, Amakua. 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 Or the Hawaiian belief in reincarnation. When fishermen die, they're resurrected as sharks. We do a traditional Hawaiian ash scattering where we drop the ashes and flowers at the same time, then circle the ash three times. In Hawaiian belief, according to my understanding, circling the ashes as they are sinking in the ocean opens a portal or vortex for the soul to arise from the ashes and merge with the flowers extending consciousness on another level. In this instance, as the grieving family scattered the ashes and flowers, a huge tiger shark rose from the depths and swam through the ashes as they sank and the flowers on the surface. The family was preoccupied, remembering their lost son playing music, reciting prayers, and reading poetry, so I felt it inopportune to point out that the shark that they would have been able to see from their deck. So he felt inopportune time to point out the shark upon that's what he said. Conclusion yeah. of their morning. I told him about the tiger shark and it seemed to give them closure after returning to the Harbor. The family reviewed the pics of the ceremony and to my amazement, the mother of her deceased son took a picture as they were scattering the, the ashes and there was a clear whirlpool or eddy in the center. Mind blown. I found your podcast from Micah and the Graylian Report. I found Micah from the Paracast. I listen to about eight hours of podcasts every day. From all your efforts, I like to think that I am more aware of my questionable existence. Aloha, Rhino. How the how does the Paracast come up twice in one night? Yeah. Well, that is weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that's interesting, eh? That uh, you know they rarely see sharks. The family's talking about you know they loved Shark Week and they they loved it as a family, and then and they got the tiger picture. shark through the whirlpool and mm, one great story. Eh? So now I have to know what's the Paracast. Oh, it's okay. We won't go there. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast? podcast slash internet show. Okay, it's got a lot of commercials. Let's leave it at that. They use a different model. Speaking of models, we don't have commercials. We use the value for value model, uh, which means we just ask you guys if you could help us out. If you're getting a little value from the show, go to the grammerica.ca slash support page, pick out a weekly, monthly, or yearly subscription, and uh, send a little value back our way. Um, Can't do it without you. No, we really can't do it without you. And we can't keep doing it without you either. 
so yeah, we're we're slowly approaching one percent. We're up to like I think just past three quarters now. We're gonna hit one percent this year. And what Darren's talking it's about is the, per- the percentage of of our listeners that we think that uh, that contribute to the show. Um, we're we're shooting for you know eventually two or three percent to to help support the show in whatever way, even if that's just like a buck a show or a buck a month or whatever. But it helps with all the bills and it helps with the expenses, and we can actually start making some plans and one-time donations are great too, but any of those donations, any number will get you access to the black budget feed as well, which is just a bunch of extra, a little bit more crazy and eccentric uh, topics and conversations that we do over there. Yeah. And some fun stuff. Yeah. It's coming around. It's getting there. We're working on, um, you know, getting it where we want it. I think we got about 20 episodes in there now, though, so it's definitely getting there. The last one was the one with our moms in it. Yeah, and we're pushing more. Fun app. Yeah, that was a fun app. We got some good feedback about that. People yeah. love to hear our yeah. moms chat on the show, was stories a- from us as kids and stuff. You were yeah. quite the rabble rouser. The rabble rouser? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I knew you were, would have been anyways. Did you? You yeah. were on to me? I was on to you. Looking, yeah, <laughs> getting expelled from school. Were you suspended, getting expelled? I was suspended. Expelled. Yeah, right. I, I got yeah, not expelled. No. Not suspended. They okay, kicked right. out for the rest of the year. Oh, well, that's fucking expelled, isn't it? Yeah, I thought expelled. <laughs> I thought suspended expelled is when like you a week couldn't off. go back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a fun app, and we've got another couple interviews lined up. You, we're going to start using it as uh, more of the platform we envisioned it. Some more, you know controversial content or maybe some some guests that that we can't squeeze into the regular rotation again we'll have them in the in there and some fun stuff like that yeah we're putting out regular extra regular content as well yeah every month we put at least an extra one per one per week plus more yeah yeah the black budget's just a little reward and a little incentive for you guys to sign up and support the show if you can because like we say that number is less than one percent. If you can't afford to support the show financially, check out the show notes. Uh, we appreciate um, synchros, drug, drug. Uh, <laughs> sorry, not drug. <laughs> Trip reports. Trip reports. <laughs> <laughs> UFO sightings, all that, all that crazy all stuff. That yeah, stuff. and just feedback. And you know what I love getting is rec- guest recommendations. Some of the best guests we have on are from listeners. Just it's because I mean we we just we got to do research for the show and book guests, and we're spending a lot of time doing that. And then yeah, it and helps, then, and it's and even then, better if it has an email address. With it. Oh yeah, that is great. Yeah. That's like a home yeah. run. It's almost a guarantee that that person's going to end up in the show if you send a recommendation with a with a contact <laughs> info. It really does make a huge difference. Sometimes that doesn't even work. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of emailing back and forth with people, sometimes not responding. Sometimes emails get lost. I mean, you know, it's not like you just email everybody and they get back to you right away and you book it. I mean, it's, it's a, a dance. It's a, process. it's a dance. It's a scramble. And when your calendar on the wall is still on November 2017, <laughs> it tends to be even more of a scramble. <laughs> you got any more? Uh, no, yeah, I'll save them up for next time. I might as well do one more. Okay. Here, I'll do some stuff first. I'll give you a break. I'm going to go back into this again this week. Bingo, bango, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and go subscribe to the Grime America. Letter. 
But first I'll go to the Twitters Because I've had another poll going It's been a while A poll? Yeah, so I went back to the If given the opportunity to prove Sasquatch exists And make it a protected species Should one be shot? Oh, that's Please RT That's not a fair way to to So so far with 231 votes We're at 68% save Sasquatch I cannot believe how many fucking bleeding hearts are out there. You don't. You you know why? Because they realize you cannot kill it. Fine. People if you can't have tried. kill it, you might as well take the shot. No, people have tried, and you're just you're just perpetuating violence. Anyway, these little polls are fun. What do you want the poll to be for next week? I don't know. Send in poll questions, and I'll run a poll a week. Okay. So if any of your listeners have a little poll, I think I'm allowed to enter up to four different answers. So if you guys have a poll, that might be fun. No politics. No fucking bullshit. Anyway, email to Graham. Sasquatches and politics? I mean, come on. You son of a bitch. Anyway, now I'm going to go through some of the replies we got. From Quantum Ryan, we got, just use a tranquilizer gun. Tranquilizer? They don't work. And They're I said, interdimensional. And I said, no, I they said, don't work. I said, you forgot it at home. And he's like, very well then. <laughs> Any good marksman would then not shoot to kill but shoot to wound so as then subdue it and bring it back for further study. (laughs) And we got from Garrett J. Can we shoot it with an elephant tranquilizer gun or something? (laughs) Clearly he didn't read the response above. I just said no. And then he didn't reply. Uh, From Damon Cherico, we got the fact that we still don't have substantial proof should tell us that Sasquatch wouldn't need our protection. Uh, Jewel Lightheart says if Sasquatch tweeted, that would be proof. It works for Trump. And then Damon said if Sasquatch ran for president, I'd vote for him over (laughs) Trump. (laughs) Uh, Jamama, Auntie Jamama B to you, says how does one get a clean shot on such a blurry individual? (laughs) Anyway, I am starting to think Bigfoot is some kind of interdimensional being. Otherwise, someone would have nabbed one by now. You know, I was watching Planet Earth 2. They had those fucking dolphins in the Amazon forest rivers that they just found a few years ago. It's a fucking dolphin in the river, blind. They just found this thing. It could be a Sasquatch. Shoot it. Our buddy Professor War. Yeah, but only in the leg. Then you must be given an insurance plan after the hospital. Harvest the Squatch as a rug in front of the fireplace. <laughs> I know what he voted. Uh, how about bait him sh- with shots of booze, then wait till he passes out? Okay, let's ask our, our uh, next emailer here, because he, he mentions a sighting of the of the little and big foot. Okay. See if he, if he listens to this and he can respond. Hello, Grey American family. My name is Frankie Blast, and I'm a new fan, having found you through the Tinfoil Hat Guys. Well, wait, I should play one of his jingles then, shouldn't I? Which one should well, no, I play? Uh, no, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We haven't even listened to them yet. I know. I'm just going to go for it. Pick okay, one. hang on, hang on, hang on. You pick one. Maybe Primordial then, right? Primordial? I don't know. What about Queen Mum? We were just talking about the Mum show. Uh, we recorded it live, unrehearsed late night in an old growth forest on Vancouver Island. That should probably be Dither Bliss. Maybe do that one. Dither Bliss? Dither, Dither Bliss. Was this a song or a jingle? It's going.
Is this guy replacing Felix? Or is this Felix? You know what? Has <laughs> Felix lost his mind? <laughs> you know No what? offense, no offense. <laughs> Fucking, we've been, during the homeschool, Lisa found these like, uh, solar system videos. This fucking guy sounds so much like Felix. It's fucking crazy. The solar system She guy? sent me the video. She's like, is this fucking Felix? Maybe it is. I sent it to him. I'm like, is this you? And he's like, oh my God. He's like, <laughs> you found it. No, he's like, that's my fucking voice doppelganger. I feel offended. Wow. That's feel crazy. Violent. Anyway, continue. Okay. So we'll, we'll save that, that uh, jingle for another episode. I think they're songs, not jingles. So I'll yeah, use they are. Yeah. Music. yeah. So let me finish. <clears throat> so we found us through the tinfoil hat guys. I appreciate your laid back. Listen before speaking interview style and obvious dedication to quality. Plus you're both effing funny. Cheers to that. I enjoy your content, much of which validates some of my own life experiences. A few of these include seeing a big and little Bigfoot with my buddy on a kayak tri- trip a few months back. A baby. Well, yeah, I mean, a big and little Bigfoot. So you think that, you know, he's going to take the shot and leave the guy, the little kids. Shoot the little one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Then he wouldn't, then everybody would say, it's not a Bigfoot. (laughs) It's a little foot. (laughs) What if the joke's on us and the Bigfoot are the one that are actually doing all the abducting? So we're trying, we're trying to, we're trying to catch a Bigfoot and they're the ones who are actually doing all the abductions. Well, there's some people that think that might be a possibility, but yeah, I don't think. It'd be ironic. That's what fucking, that's, isn't that what Buddy alludes to? The 911 guy? Well, I don't think so. The 911, the 411 guy? (laughs) People go in the national parks, they get fucking snatched up by Sam Squanch and fucking Fuck that. No, there's there's more nefarious. So what's a little bigfoot? Is no, a little bigfoot like moved. your size or my size? Is it my little? size? Okay. Or is it just little stocky, short, you know, <laughs> puffy, big cows? <laughs> I met my totem animal during a shamanistic drum journey some time ago. Hmm. I had a spontaneous Spock-like spirit mind meld with a high priest. Oh. I lived on a tiny island for 22 years. Jeez, Darren. <laughs> and strange but true, my involvement in back-to-back open polyamorous relationships for a while there. Oh. It was nothing like the Beatles' love song, but I digress. Weird, interesting, strange, amazing shit. Uh, yes, I am a disciple, and I'm happy to find folks on the journey like you guys. Okay. I'm inspired to write to offer you jingle material. I sing in a band called Dither Bliss and have had made music in the Canadian wilderness and other acoustically interesting places for 22 years. I want to offer you a few pieces to do as you will below. Thank you again for your good natured inquiry to the world to no, you bring to the world your fan Frankie. Cool. Frankie. I Thanks, hope I didn't. Frankie. Offend Thanks, you. Buddy. <laughs> hey, listen, Thanks, buddy. Shocking. That's awesome. Here's the song. What song? Yeah, okay, that's name is Venus on the hottest planet, but the second planet from the sun <laughs> of the brightest planet in our solar system, and I'm too hot for anyone. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that doesn't that sound like, like young Felix? Yeah, yeah. In like a high school project. No. I don't know if I believe him. He says it's not him. I'm not sure. No, it wasn't Felix. No. 
Kind of, though. Sounded more like him the first time. He should be doing that, then. He should. I bet you there's money. I didn't pay any money for it. There was an ad in it. I think it was his style that sounded more like Phoenix. That's what it was, his style. Phoenix? Phoenix. You could start singing uh, like that, alternative history and science to children yeah. <laughs> with a guitar. So <laughs> Atlantis was real. Is five. The pyramids were smoke DMT <laughs> <laughs> in the acacia tree. And the pyramids were power plants. <laughs> <laughs> Mamanas <laughs> were real everywhere. Okay, continue. What do you got? That's it, man. Let's let's wrap this sucker up. Wrap it up? Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Yeah. No, not no. that part. Yeah. Enjoy the chat. I'm not part of it. So tonight we've got Fiona Horn with us. We're going to be talking about her autobiography, The Naked Witch. Fiona has a very interesting life from Aussie rock star to TV personality and the hot witch of Hollywood and uh, pilot in the Caribbean. And I think that's where we're talking to her from. Um, welcome to the show, Fiona. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks, Graham. You're right. I, I am in the Caribbean on a little rock called St. <laughs> <Saint> Thomas. <laughs> nice. And you're, uh, are you still flying? Yeah, um, flying every day. I fly the newspapers from this island uh, where they're printed to uh, another island called St. Croix, which is in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I, I do that at 3 a.m. six days a week. That's my current job. So um, I say a plane is more comfortable than a broomstick, absolutely. Um, <laughs> at the same time, uh, I've got to... You know, I've learned I've learned to love the uh, the, the twilight zone factor of getting up at three a.m. Yeah, days a week. I, I kind of do that. I fly. I, I see and experience and do this kind of extraordinary thing. I mean, God, it beats throwing throwing the papers off the back of a bike or something. Here I'm flying in a multi-engine aircraft, and then I come back to my island and I go back to bed for a few hours, and then I wake up for the second time. And it's like a whole new day again. And I, I think, God, did that happen? Did I go and do that at three in the morning? But that's how it works. Yeah. That's what I do. Now. Yeah, it makes for an early night, but I guess it is special seeing the sunrise every morning. That is pretty special. I try not to see the sunrise, to be honest. I try to be back in bed before the sun oh, comes up. My really? body thinks, can go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I'd, I'd rather get it all done in the dark and get back into bed, seriously. Otherwise, your body feels like it has to wake up. Like, I mean, I wake up to fly the plane, obviously, and I'm rested to do that safely. And and uh, But it, it's kind of, I, I want to be able to go back to sleep. So, um, 
It's interesting because I guess we can talk about it on your show. But what I've noticed um, with this interesting sleep pattern that's happened because of this new job, I mean, I've been doing it like this for about a month now. Yep. So I sleep for four or five hours. I get up and I work for two or three hours flying the airplane and delivering the papers. I get back into bed and I sleep again for two or three hours. And what I'm noticing is in both my chunks of sleep, that I have these really vivid dreams and they're quite prophetic. Like they're the most vivid and colorful dreams I can remember having in a very, very long time. And it, it has to be because I'm splitting up my sleep. And I, I was kind of panicked about this job in a way. I thought, gosh, how am I going to do this? I mean, I either go to bed at five o'clock at night, which doesn't work. Your body just won't go to sleep at five in the afternoon. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. It's like, so I'm going to have to, kind of make peace with having chunks of sleep, not the usual eight hours that we're told we need. We need. And I read this interesting article. Um, actually, I think someone told me about the article and I found it online. It's about how the military uh, slept and performed their duties in Afghanistan. It was how they would sleep for four hours, get up and do their work for four hours, go back and sleep for four hours, get up for four hours. And it was this pattern. And I thought, well, gosh, if the military can do that, in Afghanistan with the pressure they have, I can probably do it flying the newspapers. And so I, it was all about, I guess it's all about how you think, uh, you know, it's all in your mind. So if I'm relaxed and I just accept that this is how I sleep now, my body is getting used to it. And like I said, I'm having these really vivid dreams. And it's it's so interesting because for a long time I haven't dreamt and now I do. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know if it's maybe a sleep expert could explain, but I... I am, um, I, and I feel rested and relaxed for the rest of the day when I wake up the second time. You know, it's strange, but but true that the dreams are very um, prophetic. Like I kind of, I dream of things and then they happen, and that's uh, it's been quite extraordinary how I've noticed that going on. It's little things. It's nothing major, but it might be like a dream of seeing a boat, a certain coloured boat or a certain sail, and then I do, and or I I dream of. Um, seeing someone in a certain place and then the next day I do. Yeah. It's things like that. It's quite, quite uncanny. Yeah. You're in tune with something. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you on that sleep stuff. I've been, I read a couple uh, or listened to a couple podcasts on sort of the biohackers who are analyzing the sleep thing and people are playing around with, with what you're doing and sleeping smaller amounts more frequently. And they, you know, that might be why some of the European cultures have even done that. You know, they have their afternoon three hour mm. nap or whatever, and then they stay up, yeah. you know, they stay up late, they get up early. And, um, you know, maybe we've evolved as well, or we used to be okay with that, you know, kind of going to bed more with the, uh, with the sun and, and waking up with the sun, yeah. which sometimes, you know, you're just not going to get enough sleep. Like if we did that in the summer here, I would just not get enough sleep. So I, I totally think there's something to, to that, you know, playing around with that. And I, and I think, I definitely think, I mean, as you say, it's like other cultures have done it, um, you know, just because it's something we're used to or we're told we need in, in the area we're in. Um, it doesn't mean it's the only way. And I've, so much of it has got to do with you as an individual embracing this, you know, this is how I relate to it, but embracing an opportunity to try something a bit differently. And sleep has always been the last frontier for me. I mean, I've, you know, you mentioned in your intro of me, I've done a fair bit of stuff in my life and I've written an autobiography already and it's like done all the stuff and I'm still only halfway through my life, I hope, you know. But um, 
the sleep business has been, I've had insomnia for decades and lots of, sleep's always been a bit of a challenge for me and yet here I am doing this really funky thing but it seems to be working really well. Nice. Four, sleep for four, work for four, sleep for four, it yeah. kind of works. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention your book. So first of all, I mean, holy shit, what a roller coaster ride. I mean, I finished reading it and I had... <laughs> This a bit of an emotional moment at the end there when you were doing that fire dance and that other couple came in and started dancing with you and it was just one of those yeah. spontaneous moments. I mean, so you've you know you've done a whole lot. I mean, it was a great book and and I I really like that story. A lot of it reminded me of. I mean, I've been through some of that as well with with having a spiritual life and then leaving alcohol behind later on. Like so, I re- I resonate with a lot of of that part of your story. Mm. And I just love those transformational stories of, you know, every, although you've been through so much stuff in the end, you know, you reach this sort of higher spiritual state and, and uh, the way you describe the contentment that follows and the acceptance is really profound for me. Well, thank you, Graham. I, I really appreciate hearing you say that it's, you know, the, the feedback for the book has been, um, I've been really uh, grateful and reassured as I've heard people um, people's thoughts and feedback from the from the journey and and some of the things I've heard have been similar to what you just shared. It's, and that's what I hoped when I wrote the book. I mean, I I kind of you know in a nutshell, I had this long career in the entertainment industry. I was you know the rock star of death effects in the nineties, like rocking with you know ten thousand people calling my name yeah. and trying. <laughs> Stages in Australia and then touring America with, you know, bloody playing up in Seattle with mud honey, you know, like just crazy stuff like back in the day. And so I do all that through the 90s. Now I become world's favorite witch, hot witch, famous witch, something witch, but poster girl for witchcraft, which was a profound spiritual part of my life. But all of a sudden it became my job as I wrote a book about it. And now it's the you know, by default, in a way, the spokesperson, the go-to spokesperson for quite some time, one of the prominent ones anyway. And then, you know, getting in TV, doing all the TV and the radio and just all the stuff and and then stepping away from it all, you know, five or six years ago, maybe seven really, because when I fell in love and, you know, made a a home with someone and stepped away from it and sort of took it back, stepped away from the public eye and took it back for me a bit, but... It wasn't really until I focused on becoming a, a pilot and, and getting my commercial certificate and multi-engine and all of that it's to work in aviation and to work in humanitarian aid and to do all these things. It's kind of like, I don't know, I, I, I look back and I, you know, the, the opportunity to write a book, I, well, how, where did that come up from? And, and I mentioned it in the book, like why did I end up writing my autobiography? And it was a, a kind of a random message I got on through Facebook. Uh, you know, I'd really kind of pulled away from the public eye and living this quiet life flying planes. And, um, and then this publisher, an old publisher of mine said, have you got another book in you? I've still got your first one on my shelf. Much loved and well thumbed, like well read. Yeah. And that's where an autobiography seemed to make sense. And then in my own way, I, you know, prayed slash meditated on, you know, why should I do this? Because... My, um, uh, well, in the end, I just decided that based on what I could in- intuitively feel that if this book could be useful, if it's sure it's got to be entertaining, it's got to have 
but it's got to be useful. Um, and and I would hope that people who read it would not only enjoy all the adventures and and but they would also learn something from all my mistakes yeah. and all the times I got it wrong. Yeah. Um, and all the times I fell down, all the times I was pushed down, all the times I was held down. But, you know, really it's more about the times I got back up and kept going. And, you know, if people can get something from that, from the way my journey's told in that way then, and find it useful, um, then, then, it's, then that's a reason to write the book. And, and so the beautiful feedback I've had from people is, is just that, that they have found the way I've shared my journey useful, that it has either given them a sense of perspective of their own challenges or even hope and inspiration, um, then, you know, and plus, you know, the other lovely feedback I've got is that a lot of it's funny and a lot of it's really sad. Mm-hmm. And I know that, I mean, I shed a lot of tears writing this book and more often or not, they were tears of sadness, not, not tears of joy, but but I did cry with laughter a few times reliving some of my memories. And, but, you know, it was a healing experience writing the book. And, um, you know, I love that you brought up the, the time in San Juan, old San Juan, where I'm fire dancing and this couple joins me to dance a tango spontaneously in a, in a, in a city square there, an old, an old square surrounded by historical buildings and just, just the fire and, and Frank and the, the, uh, wandering musician who happened to be there playing his saxophone and, and I just lit up spontaneously and they came and danced and honestly perform like events like that resonate more with me than the times I was on stage with bloody Iggy Pop and Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. <laughs> yeah. I remember some of the things I've done, yeah. you know, and just, you know, gone on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins and just, just these incredible memories and yet, it was mo- it's moments like that that resonate the most because now at this point in my life I feel the most authentic version of myself that I've ever been and yeah and uh, very grateful to yeah have, like had the challenges you know to and then to have the perspective now but you know that's that's um it's it's funny because you know with witchcraft and obviously there's a big part of the book the naked witch it's like the witch bearing her soul you know hence the title it's um, there is a an element of transformative magic. When I when I I've read this book myself. It's very I've written a lot of books, probably ten now, but I haven't read a lot of them. I write them, I edit them, I do my job. I they go to the publisher, and I don't read them again. But I've read this autobiography, my own autobiography, a couple of times with interest, and just observing this uh, this journey of this person, and. All along, I've been a witch. I can see that from when I was a child to now. Um, I've had the witch in me the whole time. And I, for a while there, I kind of got a bit lost with it and thought it was my job and something I had to play up to. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's I'm a witch whether I'm flying a plane or doing a ritual on the beach under a full moon. It's the same thing. So speaking of that, you know, you had an out-of-body experience when you were younger and you obviously believe that there was more to this, you know, life than just the materialistic world that we're, you know, that we grow up, you know, um, almost forced to believe in with the paradigm that we're living in. So did you, you know, you've had that spiritual, uh, you know, childhood and growing up spiritual and you did your Vipassana and, and lots of sort of spiritual work back then. And then, 
you know, even the other part I like about your book is how you, you portray recovery and your, and your, you know, your journey through recovery as well, which is also another interesting part because, you know, the, the drinking part of it hit you later on in life and not, you know, when people would have thought when you're the, you know, the rock star, which is another interesting thing. Yeah. 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 That was the the alcohol became very destructive later. It was always in my life. I can see that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, but then what about what about living in this materialistic world? Like moving to Hollywood and knowing that you know through your 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 spiritual practice and the experiences that you've already had was it difficult, you know, especially in Hollywood or whatever just with you know because I mean that's something we talk about on the show a lot is is the the false materialistic paradigm that we're living in and people Mm. having these experiences. I mean, did you ever struggle with that or have to answer to the skeptics or have to deal with that kind of side of the community? Well, definitely going and planting myself in Hollywood to continue growing my career as as the world's favorite, which God forbid, I mean, at the time (laughs) it seems like the most, the next indicated thing to do. But I look back and I think, wow, that was a lot of pressure to put on myself. Um, to expect to continue having this innate sense of of spiritual connectedness and plonking myself in LA and wanting to put something about it on television and on the radio. I mean, look, I, I look back at, at what I was doing then with compassion now, and I, I think all things considered, I, I hung on to a thread of, of spiritual connectedness, but I increasingly felt um, torn apart by that town and yeah. I mean there's there's a section in the book about it but um there were many more experiences than than what I wrote about I mean god the book could have been a thousand pages as it was it was a couple of hundred or something but I mean I think I remember really beautiful moments living in LA like um Incredibly, the land there is is potent and powerful, as smothered as it is with people and buildings and stuff and roads. And there, you only have to just go up into the canyons up at the top of Mulholland, and there's coyotes and rattlesnakes and sometimes bears and deer. And it's like you can kind of get lost up in there. Um, and there is a really profound pulse of the land and the shore. You know, the, the ocean. The, just getting a little bit north of. of Santa Monica up into Malibu and Point Doom and up that way. It's very, there, there is a sense of, you know, spirit, profound, yeah. Land, yeah, spirit of the land and of the ocean. Um, but living in LA, is so, it's so about who, you know, what do you do? What can you do for me? And, and I just, it was just, uh, it wasn't sustainable. And I think um, when it was time for me to, you know, to transition out of it, I was really ready. Um, and I had the option to go back there uh, after, you know, I kind of left it for love and making a home somewhere else. And and then when that ended, when that part life ended with that person and everything just fell apart in such a terribly painful way, um, I went back to LA, you know, my agent was there saying, yep, yeah, you know, we've got TV interest, he'd get you back on TV and this and that. But it was this moment where I just thought, no, I've got to go. And I came, instead I ran away with nothing, with a bag. I left everything and and gave everything away and just with a bag came to the islands and started with nothing. Yeah. And um, rebuilt my life. And uh, and here I am, you know, five or six years later doing what I'm doing. Um, So, but I want to 
I want to say about Los Angeles that I've met some of the most amazing people there, beautiful spiritual people, really, you know, people of great integrity and great talent. It's just a lot of other stuff as well. But I'm actually going back to LA um, for, I, it almost feels like home to me. I still feel my closest friends there because I lived there for a long time. You know, I moved there in 2001. So I'm going back. I love going back now and visiting my friends. And I go back as a pilot, not as someone who works in the entertainment industry that needs anything from that town. Yeah. I go there and I get to just enjoy it unconditionally. And I love it. It fuels me when I visit LA now. Really, it really fuels me because I, I have some of my dearest friends in the world there. And then after LA, it's like literally in a week and a half, I'll be there for a few days and then I'm on my way to Alaska for 10 days. My first experience of sub-zero temperatures with a friend of mine who grew up there and has a cabin out in the wilderness and runs trap lines and um, like really because that's what you need to eat. It's like there's nothing out there except snow and sub-zero temperatures. So I'm going to visit that and I'm really looking forward to a change because um, the islands, uh, you know, we had two catastrophic hurricanes last September and where I live and that's just been a whole other extraordinary journey. You know, the book came out in Australia in July and there was all this stuff going on with it and then and I was supposed to do a book tour and all this stuff and then bang, we just got nailed with these massive catastrophic hurricanes, two in a row within two weeks. And um, so I stayed here and held to a recovery and rebuild not mm -hmm. only my own life but others, you know, people lost everything. I was one of the lucky ones. I just lost a bit of stuff. So it's... um including nearly my job, but luckily they got another, or the planes I flew were destroyed in the storm, but the company I worked for got another plane for me to fly, so I was lucky. But, yeah. but um, yeah, you know, I'm just ready for a change and get out of the Caribbean for a little while, for a couple of weeks, and yeah. experience some freezing cold temperatures instead. <laughs> So, so back to your sort of your spiritual practice a little bit, like the witch part of it. I mean, we had a, we had a guest on not too long ago that was talking about, and you know, he was sort of speculating about witchcraft and that it that in the end it doesn't matter if you're a white witch or a black witch. I don't know. I know that's not very good terms, but um, uh, what uh, that you know, yeah, it, it'll always end up leading down sort of the darker path. I mean, did you ever fear that at all, or did you ever have any any concerns over? connecting to the wrong wrong I don't know what to say like higher power or you know the magical well I think it's more in the individual susceptibility to, to feeling that you know they're they're doing something that's inherently dark or dangerous or thrilling in some kind of fearful way it's an intention I mean, well you know it's, as we're talking because I just mentioned the hurricane it's occurring to me as we're talking that, um, you know, in witchcraft we talk about the dark side and the dark side usually is quite exotic and akin with, you know, elements of death or, you know, like uh, experiencing danger or inflicting harm on others mm -hmm. or whatever. And having just survived two catastrophic hurricanes um, right up close and personal, face to face with death and it's not glamorous it smells it's it's sad it's ugly it's terrifying it's sometimes in a weird way beautiful but just in, because it's so macabre and and losing people you love people two friends i have i lost in the storms it's like i i just 
I don't think, you know, as far as people running around saying they practice dark witchcraft and have some kind of power with it, or maybe stick them in the middle of a category five hurricane and see what they feel yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to, you know, it's just occurring to me like that, you know, that stuff, you know, bring it on. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've gone through two hurricanes in two weeks, you can handle anything, I reckon. But yeah. the way that I, um, the way that I relate to the dark side of witchcraft um, is not in the Hollywood kind of evil way. I think there's something very beautiful and very evocative about death. And I'm actually looking forward to dying. I, I want to die well, in good health, with my, with my conscious intention. I want to experience my death with gratitude and full mm-hmm. awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that way of crossing over. Um, to me, that's the darker side of witchcraft, the, the occult side. The, it's the side that's, that's, that we don't, that, that is, you know, that we're fe- sort that of fear, in a way. fear stops us from getting there, really. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're sort of encouraged to fear it, and yet we're so desensitized. It, if you watch TV, which essentially I don't, not that there is any, because we barely have any phone signal. I've had to drive to be in view of a tower to be able to talk to you all these months after the hurricane because everything was destroyed. So we don't have TV hardly, but not that I really watch it. But, you know, the the TV shows that are on, there's so much violence and and even in songs, you know, as a a Western privileged culture, we're uh, desensitized to death and darkness. And and yet we have this fear. It all seems a bit contradictory. Yeah. and I think to, you know, for someone practicing witchcraft to wield a so-called personal power around in a way to intimidate others and inspire fear in others is actually more expressing their own fear and their own weakness than any, than any strength. Um, and if they seek to uh, be strong, um, you know, I've honestly found the greatest strength comes in compassion and kindness. Not yeah. in hurting others. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. I didn't, you know, I didn't really, I don't really buy that theory either. It's just I, I was interested to to talk to somebody like yourself and and get your take on it. Um, you know, I do mm. feel like Every, a lot everyone's of it. just yeah. There's a plenty of room for everyone's opinions in the world. It's just you know yeah. my thoughts on the matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then what about how how was it dealing with the the backlash of the the witch community itself, like, or that spiritual community when you were, you know, when you were sort of like the Hollywood's hot witch and all that, did, did was that difficult uh, time for you? Well, yeah, when I, when I sort of was going through it, you know, I mentioned this in the book, I talk about, you know, who needs Christians to burn you at the stake? My community does it to me every day. <laughs> well, yeah. I made myself an easy target, you know, like, and I, I was doubting my own authenticity at that point, feeling kind of torn up by the whole, yeah. public persona of it all, something that had been so private for so long. Yeah. I felt like it was the fabric of my person and then all of a sudden it's a selling tool, a marketing tool. But, you know, I was trying to survive and I was also trying to do good. I was trying to dispel the myths and and, and be a, a positive kind of presence and yet at the same time trying to survive in that town, you say, 
you know, yes to everything. I mean, I'd go to the opening of an envelope, you know, I was just like, oh my God, I got to be on the red carpet. I got my photo in this, but got to do this. I got to do that to get this next book deal, to get that magazine thing, to get that radio show. It's just survive, survive, survive. As I talk about it in, in the, in the book, it was like, you know, even though we, we venerate the cult of celebrity, um, unless you're very, very lucky, it's really hard work to stay in everyone's face. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of work. So, there I was desperately scrambling as, as the world's favourite witch. But, you know, it's um, my own community was kind of... It's funny when I look back and see, remember some of the criticisms that were thrown at me. I, I think I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just, Back then I did because I, I felt answerable to everyone. Um, uh, but I, I don't anymore, and consequently, um, I don't really have that backlash anymore. And I've seen, um, I've seen the community. As much as I've kind of stepped out of the public eye, but certainly I've been back in it a bit more with, with the way this book's come around. Mm-hmm. Um, I have gone for the last three years. This year will be the fourth um, to a festival that's held in New Orleans. It's called Hex Fest. Mm-hmm. And hexfest.com, H-E-X-F-E-S-T.com. And the people that organise it, Brian Kane and his husband, Christian Day, are, are beautiful, amazing, self-proclaimed witches, um, like Brian's Alexandrian, Christian's, I guess, eclectic witches. They're, they're an amazing couple, two of my dearest friends, and they put this event on every year. And it's a, a gathering, an eclectic gathering of occultists, um, magical practitioners, witches, uh, the whole gamut, you know, get down there to New Orleans for a weekend in August. And I just love the sense of community and, and there's so much diversity at this event, yet we all celebrate each other and respect each other. And if that's the way our magical community is going, as we're celebrating our differences um, and respecting each other's paths and knowing that, you know, the more we grow as a magical community in all our shapes, colours, expressions, skills, dreams, desires, abilities, whatever, um, it, it can only make us stronger. And that's what I love about Hexfest. And, and, you know, that's a big change from what it was like 20 years ago when I first came out of the broom closet. It was very divisive and very judgmental, the magical community. But that really seems to be changing now. Or maybe I've changed, and so I see the world differently. I don't, I, I don't know. I think it is changing. I mean, I feel that in, in some of the spiritual community that I'm in and the, even the recovery community that I belong mm-hmm. to as well. And, and, um, even this podcast community that's supported by open-minded people that can discuss stuff and all. And then, and then I find there's a bigger contrast now when you go to the outside world, when you're in, when you're in that, you know, that bubble of support and, like you were talking about with your, mm. and then, and then now I find there's more of a contrast with, with everything else. And I just, you know, would rather be back with, uh, with those little communities. That yeah. Are, that are with my people. Yeah. It's definitely, that's a good point that you raise because certainly I feel the same way with, with my recovery community and, and also with the, the, the close friends I have and magical community I have, as well as my Island family, you know, um, mm-hmm. where I live out here in the islands and, uh, you know, when I look back, life in LA, that whole, you know, being a rock star in the 90s, all that was always about more, more, more. Nothing was enough. And now my life has become about less, less, less. 
simplifying it. I, I seek to become less, not more now. And, and as such, I have as much more room for for really amazing connections and and sincere, um, meaningful interactions that are really heartwarming. And um, maybe that's got something to do with living on the planet as, you know, the, the, the linear years go on. I, I sort of say, oh, well, I'm not getting older. I'm getting better at living. Yeah. And uh, I, I really enjoy this journey of getting better at living. I'm enjoying getting older, so to speak, better at living. Um, and I, I look forward to the next 50 years of it. You know, it's, um, it's, I, I think there's a, a shift among certain humans to decentralize now. And yet at the same time, the mainstream is just kind of bizarre. And <laughs> it's pushing, <laughs> pushing, like, pushing. Fear, oh my God. Just fear porn, it's fear porn intense. pushing. Yeah. Yeah, and consumerism and just this violence and it's kind of nuts and yet there's this beautiful wave of people who aren't like that. Exactly. And maybe it is about kind of finding your community, finding your people, finding your tribe has been a a fun little catchphrase going around for a while now. But I agree. I think, you know, the, the primal heartbeat of us all is still very strong. You know, biologically we haven't evolved that much in the last 10,000 years. You know, society has a lot. So, you know, it's kind of like kind of getting back to the raw organic experience of life is, is really resonating with people now. And I think that's very encouraging. And so I don't watch the news. I don't listen to, I listen to podcasts. I'll watch documentaries <laughs> and well-made movies on Netflix yeah, yeah. when I can yeah. manage to get a signal to download and something because God knows there's no Wi-Fi or internet on this island um, yet because we're still recovering after the hurricanes. But, you know, sometimes I can get a bit of a signal and download something. And I just, um, I think there's, you know, I like my, and I talk about it in the book, I I like my simpler life. I like not having many possessions, none really, but hardly anything. I love it. got my phone. Um, I fly someone else's plane. I do own my own headset. (laughs) bits and pieces. I've got my free diving pins, my fire dancing tool. You know, all the stuff is is gone, which leaves so much freedom. You know, I just, I love having nothing except my happiness and my freedom. Um, And as far as, uh, you know, I think the way that more and more people are resonating with this energy, it's a a more sustainable way to live now. Um, We're learning, I think deep down, we're learning that, that this endless, Amassing, <clears throat> excuse me, more, more, more is ultimately smothering. It's not liberating it. Yeah, it's not sustainable at all. No. Mm, yeah. So, so we're almost uh, we're almost out of time here. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Is there yeah, anything? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything you want to mention before we we let you go about your book or about I your journey? I want to mention. Well, yeah, I mean, if people would like to check out my website, FionaHorn.com. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just choking here. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I have a drink of water. I actually, because I'm sitting in the car doing this interview with it, and I have to have the engine running with a bit of air on me because it's really bloody hot. And I hate sitting here churning fumes into the atmosphere, but it's the only way I can be on the phone with you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, check out my website, FionaHorn.com. Um I'm also going to be loading something up on that fairly soon. The aid work that I've been doing, um, my first aid flight 
that the whole reason I became a pilot was to fly humanitarian aid. Well, I got to work with the Good Samaritan Foundation of Haiti early last year, and yeah. we conducted a two missions and the, they delivered, the first one was 350 lane chicks to the island of Lavash. Well, a year later, these chicks are now grown chickens and they, they just lay, they're not, they're not hens for eating, they just lay eggs. And um, so they're laying so many eggs now that they're overproducing too much for the cool, school kids to eat because that was the whole goal. We'd take in chickens and they would lay eggs so the kids could have protein in their lunches and dinners and, you know, it's providing like 500 family meals a day. Well, now yeah. these chickens are so prolific with these eggs that starting a program of um, donating the eggs uh, to other um, other areas of need in Haiti and the Good Samaritan Foundation will di- uh, distribute them. So if people keep an eye on my website, my Facebook page is linked to my website, um, you can keep up to speed with this wonderful project that we're doing in Haiti, and it's going to be called Buy an Egg. And you can uh, <laughs> nice. basically put 20 bucks a month towards buying eggs, and basically it covers the cost of distributing the eggs around Haiti for people who need food. Because even though Haiti's only 400 nautical miles away from me, it's like another world. It's, yeah, it's, it's been so torn apart with political and environmental challenges and you know, having just gone through two massive hurricanes myself, I couldn't complete the third mission last year to Haiti. I actually became a recipient of aid as I went through the hurricanes um, on my island home with, with all of us here. Um, we all had to receive aid to get through that um, period. And, you know, it's... Uh, but, yeah, if, if people are interested in all that kind of stuff, my website and my Facebook page is always... I'm pretty active on all of that. I usually can get enough signal to post a bit every day. That's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. I love staying in touch with people through social media. I mean, like, I don't have a lot of physical possessions, but I do have a large digital imprint. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's good to know that something's working in Haiti there and that there, there's some programs like this that are really benefiting. I mean, you hear about so much uh, well, other is, stuff yeah, that, does, good- that doesn't work, you know? Yeah, no, the Good Samaritan Foundation is a grassroots organisation. I feel very blessed to work with them. They're, they identify exactly what aid is needed. They take it in and it, it, it helps repair, recover and empower the community. And, Perfect. you know, like the GSF will take in an agronomist to help with soil rehabilitation, train the locals to understand how to care for the soil so it can grow things and... You know, some of the seed we took in last year was this long bean that can grow, can yield 20 pounds of, of the vegetable in a cup of soil. Like a vine can grow in one cup of soil and yield 20 pounds, grow like a 100-foot vine. I mean, it's, you know, that the aid that the GSF provide is tailored specifically to the environment, ultimately to liberate it and empower it to the point where the community does not need aid anymore. And that's why I love working with these grassroots efforts why so I want to donate my time, skills, and abilities to get a plane, get raise money for fuel, and then fly it there, you know, and take the chicks, take the bunnies, take the seeds, take the doctors, and get all that done in a day, and it's, ha- and it's happening, you know. And within a year, we've got so much, so many eggs, and we're having to feed multiple schools, not just the school on that island, you know. It's great. And this is the kind of um, aid projects I love being a part of. You know, there's the small grassroots yeah. ones. That's great. Yep. Yep. That are really making a difference. Well, it's so nice to hear that. Thank you, Graham. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, 
Thank you for letting me keep it at 40 minutes tonight. No problem. I've got to get up at about four hours and go and fly an airplane to another island. So I've got to go and get my sleep. All righty. Well, have a, have a good sleep and we'll uh, we'll be in touch. We'll send you a link when it when it comes out. Thank you. That's okay. lovely. Thank you. And I'll, I'll put it on my, my pages. Thanks, Graham. Okay. Thanks, Fiona. Take care. All right. Okay. Have a good night. You thanks. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
say they like coast to coast But on demand Raw and uncut interviews And all without no ads One says false and one says true And the rate you sing grows too America, America is here for you Stories from the listeners They sent to Graham He'll read them and be amazed But Darren may say no One says red and one says blue But if it's false it just won't do Grimerica, Grimerica is here for you Thank you. 